0: Hey there, you're listening to The Render Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business leadership. After being in the events industry since 2010 and working with brands such as Nike, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Create and Cultivate, I became wildly passionate about education for small businesses. I teach others how to work with their dream clients, the mistakes I've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. All right, welcome into the Render Podcast. I am your host, KM, and I'm so excited that we are getting right back into our mini series with Emily. We are talking about your website and driving success through what your website is doing. And um, if you have not already listened to our first episode, I encourage you to go back and do so. But Emily, will you give our listeners a brief understanding about who you are and what we're talking about today?
1: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me again. I'm excited to be able to record this series with you. I'm Emily. I'm the owner of Emily Foster Creative. It's a branding and website design studio, and we help creatives and wedding pros all over the world to get really clear on their brand strategy and website strategy so that we can build a really personality-packed, customized brand and website for you.
0: Awesome. So we were talking about right before we started recording, actually, um, we were talking about so many things and revolving around websites. website. So let's kick it off right from the start. We were talking about the difference between ShowIt and Squarespace and WordPress and kind of the um, structure of where you start with your website. Will you give kind of a brief understanding of why we should choose certain websites? I know And our listeners know that we use ShowIt in a WordPress um, combination. And how I typically will explain that to our listeners is ShowIt is the makeup on your uh, face, which is uh, WordPress, which is powering a lot of our inventory, our blog posts, a lot of those things. And so um, talk to us a little bit about why we should choose certain platforms over others and kind of the benefits of those.
1: Yeah, I love that explanation. I'm always saying that um, ShowIt is like the design side and then WordPress is like the content side. So something very similar. I also use ShowIt with the WordPress blog. um, So that's usually what you get is basically everything in the builders and ShowIt and then WordPress is content. You've probably reviewed that with Cam before. Um, And then I've also designed a lot of websites and all kinds of other platforms. So Wix, Squarespace, WordPress, a couple different builders in WordPress from like Elementor and Divi to Beaver Builder would not necessarily recommend that one. And then Shopify as well, Um, not really for wedding pros, but for other types of businesses. So there's a lot of differences between each platform. And in reality, I don't think that you can go super wrong, but as a wedding pro, I definitely love show it the most for most wedding pros, unless there's like a specific need to have a different website platform. And one thing that I always tell people is not to worry about SEO when you're picking a website platform. So it's actually a myth when people say, like, oh, you have to be on this platform in order to have successful SEO. You can definitely have a successful, effective website on any platform. But I just think Show It helps you through the back end to really have a nicer user experience than other platforms. I would say for wedding pros, my top three are definitely um, Show It, Squarespace, or WordPress. But the reason that I love Show It more than the other two is because you can customize so much without code. And you can really have an elevated design without needing necessarily hire a designer or to hire a developer. Um, There's definitely a ton of show it users who do still hire designers like myself because it's kind of like building a website almost like in Canva or like on a piece of paper where if you are building a custom website, you're starting from scratch, which can feel really overwhelming for some people, and you kind of have to have an understanding of design principles still, like like graphic design principles, to really create an effective and uh, strategic look. But otherwise, things can easily be updated by yourself, like. For example, you can customize what the top navigation looks like on your website very easily, where that's something that's a little bit harder to customize in certain WordPress builders or in Squarespace. I also love, I think we're going to do another series on this one or like another episode on ShowIt, so I won't (laughs) deep dive too much. Um, But I love the customer support and the community that exists for ShowIt. It was originally started for photographers, the platform, so just that base um, clientele. And then the team itself has a really good understanding of your industry. And I've been to um, one of their conferences before. I'm going to their conference again next year. That's for brand and website designers. And there's just like a whole community of people who really understand and care about creative service providers. And that shows through their customer support, the resources they provide, um, and there's just so much guidance there, which I love. It's a lot easier in my experience to get a hold of someone through ShowIt versus WordPress or Squarespace. And I think that's what's really necessary when you're um, either a solopreneur or running a small team.
0: Yeah. The great thing about ShowIt, and I know we're going to have another episode about this, is that you can hire someone like yourself to design it and get it implemented and all that. And then when you as a business center, when you have to go back and make edits or changes, it is super simple. Um, we had someone design our website and then now I'm able to just go in and make edits where I need to. And that's super helpful um, because there are certain times that I need to make a quick edit. And I don't necessarily need to reach out to someone to help me do that. Um, and I don't know a lick of any code at all. And I don't really want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so it's really great for that. Um, ShowIt or Squarespace or wherever you host your website um, all can have SEO, which is what you talked about. SEO, if you have not listened to one of our episodes before, is search engine optimization. It's essentially how Google finds your website and offers it to people who are searching for your services or your products. And so it is important to implement that. And I think we're going to weave some of that into what we talked about today. But from the very get-go, that is what it is. You can go back to one of our episodes about SEO if you want to have a deeper dive into that. We'll put the link in our show notes, Um, but today we're going to be talking about an effective website that drives success because ultimately at the end of the day, if your website does not drive success, your, your website is not doing its job. Your website should be kind of that medium between how they find you, whether it's on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, wherever they're finding you, or if they have your business card and they're finding, you know, coming to you. Your website should be your number one driver of sales and call to actions, and so we're going to be talking about how do we create effective websites, how do we get that to drive success instead of just being there just to boost our ego or just show what we do but no actual action
1: through that. Yeah. yeah, I've sometimes compared your website to like if you've ever gone to a networking event and you've seen like a more established business owner there and they have like an assistant with them or maybe you've met someone through a company and they're not actually the business owner, but they're the assistant and they're kind of there as a representative for the business. Like that's exactly what your website is and you want to make sure it's professional and evoking the kind of personality um, because you're not necessarily there to do the heavy lifting and to encourage people to work work with you. So first of all, like it's necessary to have a website. I think most of us know that now, but sometimes I still hear wedding pros like asking like, do I really need one when I have an Instagram account and a Facebook account? Yes, you do. Because kind of in that analogy, if you don't have anyone at the networking event, no one's going to know who you are. And there's just a lot of things you could get into of like how you need to own your own space, kind of like an email list too, and Mm -hmm. not depend on Facebook and Instagram. But then you also really want to make sure that your website is standing out, not just showing the like level of your work um, or the price range or anything like that, but also doing the extra work, kind of like we talked about in the last episode of really expressing the strategy um, that you have and the problems that you can solve for your ideal clients so that you're set apart from the kind of sea of competition that's out there in the industry.
0: Yeah, that's so true. and. If you don't have a website, which I actually had a student a few years ago who's like, I book everything on Instagram and it works for me. I'm like, that's awesome. What about all the people who aren't working with you already though? Like, how are they supposed to work with you if you're not showing your stuff? And so she now has a website, which is awesome. Um, But it is important to have a website that not only shows who you are, what you're about in your product, but also has a clear path into what you want them to do on your website. Mm-hmm. I think a huge part of creating an effective website is also how do you help them understand who you are through storytelling or through um, a clear like next step. So whether they show up on your homepage, what's their clear next step? It might not be to contact you yet. It might that you, be that you need to start a wish list or that you need to um, click on your about page or you need to show them your portfolio, whatever mm-hmm. they're next step is you want to be the guide to get them there. If there's no guide, they're going to go all over the place on your website, which can sometimes lead to confusion, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's best case if they go all over the place. Like uh, most of the time they will just click out if they're overwhelmed. And um, that's actually something that, especially for rentals companies, I experienced in our own wedding planning experience of, There's so many bad websites out there for rentals companies and even down to there was one company and basically because of our budget, we had to work with them. So Mm -hmm. I kind of had to put up with their website, Um, but they had like a black and white dance floor, but the picture was literally like a wood dance floor, like a brown wood dance floor with it. So um, there's a lot of space to... I think, compete in the space. Um, not mm-hmm. that like, we're all community over competition, but there's a lot of room to have a really effective website compared to other people, especially in the rental space. And mm-hmm. yeah, to your point too, I always recommend at least um, having those like one to two end goals on your website. of Like if it's to book a free call or fill out your contact form or fill out a wish list, um, have those actions take less than two to three clicks on your website. So For, as an example, if the end goal is to have people reach out through your contact form, then there should be a contact call to action, which is basically a button on your website, either in the top part of your website, um, what's called the top fold or on your top navigation. And then the contact form should be easily findable on your contact page. So that would be like two clicks technically, clicking to the contact page and then clicking the submit button when they're done.
0: Yeah. And you probably don't want to have too many questions or things in your contact form. You want to make it easy, but enough information to have some sort of a conversation. So obviously like name and phone number and email, those are givens. Like you have to have that to contact them. (laughs) But then asking questions, I see so many companies that ask like 20 questions um, for them to fill out to submit a form. And I'm like, you're losing so much opportunity because there's some people who have two seconds to fill it out and at least do your required stuff and then they're like I don't I don't have time to fill out the rest of this or I'm you know have ten things that I need to get done within the next hour. I can't fill this out. So there are like certain things you need to have, but a lot of those questions can be saved for a phone call or follow-up emails.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that you can take a good look at your sales process and when people reach out, maybe ask those questions through the conversation leading up to the sales call or like you were saying in the call Um, I think one thing I see people miss on their contact form that is super helpful is asking how they found you because Mm -hmm. that's going to pay off so much. And usually there's not like a great way to get that answer through email or a sales call. So yeah, definitely that basic contact information, how they found you, and then maybe just like one or two personal questions. So you can really get to know what they're looking for and like get to know their personality a little bit. And I think that kind of helps you to set the stage for a conversation over email and influence them to get on a call with you. But yeah, yeah when it it's is awkward to ask that question, well, how did you find us? <laughs> you know, like, yeah.
0: Oh, I don't know. I Googled you.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like, maybe having just like a checkbox kind of question of like, yeah. yes, you find me on like Google, referral, Instagram. And that's really helpful to look at at the end of each year to see like where your ROI kind of is and your leads are coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Marketing and understanding what's working, what's not working. Maybe you have nobody who's clicking the Instagram, um, which I don't think would happen in the events industry because it is very popular to use, but if you have no one using Instagram and you're putting all of your eggs in your Instagram basket, but no one's contacting you from that, then you probably want to focus on the places that people are contacting you and milk out as much as you can out of that platform.
1: That's really yeah, definitely. I think where the contact forms get excessive is when you start seeing a lot of questions, especially for like planning or rentals companies, like asking what kind of style they're looking for yeah. or like
0: What's colors, what yeah, color? that's
1: What's all stuff color? that honestly, yeah, that should be done on the call or even sometimes depending on your process that can be done after like the contract and invoice are complete. Right. You don't need to overwhelm them with all of these decisions, um, right. especially depending on your ideal client. And kind of the tier of the market that you're in, sometimes clients are just looking for you to tell them all of that in a way, like, Mm -hmm. and not have to provide so much information. So, yeah, try to think of it really as, like, a first greeting with this person versus, like, an application that they have to fill out
0: in order to Mm -hmm. contact you. Right. Yeah. yeah, this is more of your cover letter than your resume. You
1: just yes.
0: want to know a little bit about you.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And then a big um, mistake I see too on contact pages for wedding pros is not making wedding or any event pro really um, is not making your contact information clickable. So um, if you want to provide your phone number, um, you should definitely should probably provide your email on your contact page. but. Whatever you do provide there should be clickable because a lot of people are going to be looking on your website on mobile. And Mm -hmm. that was actually one reason that we clicked away from some vendors' websites is like we would be maybe on the way to a venue tour and I was trying to check boxes off of our vendor list. So I'm like, okay, we need to find like a wedding coordinator. And I would go to like one website and then like go to click on the email in my mobile view and then not be able to do that. And it just, Like, it sounds so lazy, but it felt like too much work to copy the email and go to my, like, email app and create Mm -hmm. an email, especially since maybe some of those websites I didn't connect with super well anyway. Like, so if I was just looking at a lot of different options, that was one little thing that would make me click away from someone's website. And then it's really easy and show it to just make a phone number clickable um, or an email and just make that process a lot easier for them. Yeah. Yeah. You
0: talked a little bit about mobile version. I know for ourselves, mobile is so important to prioritize as well as desktop. But with the digital age and where we're at right now, there are so many people using mobile. And if your mobile version sucks, people are going to click off of it and it's not going to work very well.
1: Yeah. And that's one thing I love about ShowIt too that we didn't talk about. I'm sure we'll get into that in our next um, recording, but uh, the mobile version is just so easy to customize. That is a downside, I will say, of why some people Mm -hmm. don't like ShowIt as much as like Squarespace, is it takes a little bit more time to design your website and get it to a custom look because you have to design the desktop and the mobile separately. Um, Their team's actually kind of working on streamlining some things so that you can do -hmm. some things together at once. But uh, mobile is definitely a high priority with ShowIt, whereas some platforms you design the desktop and then it kind of just stacks everything on mobile. Um, so there's not always as much room for customization without code for the mobile view. Yeah.
0: Well, sometimes it's mobile version of your website compared to the desktop version of your website. Sometimes there's different intentions with it too. So if you're on your phone and you click from Instagram over to your website, you're probably looking for quick things. You're looking for quick fixes or quick information. Mm -hmm. You're not ready to necessarily put together a whole wish list on your website. You're not ready to do the whole nine yards. But Mm -hmm. when you're on your mobile, you're probably more apt to fill out a contact form or click the email or click the phone number. Maybe learn a little bit about the company but your mobile version doesn't necessarily have to look like your desktop version
1: your desktop version
0: is for the person who's ready to sit down and go through make their wish list they're ready to like dive in and dive deep whereas the Mm -hmm. person on their mobile and not saying that everyone's this way on their mobile but someone on their mobile might not be to that point yet
1: Yeah, yeah, very true. That reminded me too of like having an Instagram links page. Uh, That Mm -hmm. is really nice. You can create what I call like just a links page on Show It. And you could do this on any platform, but I love that you can have like a custom experience for right when people click from like Facebook or Instagram and direct them to a really easy to fill out contact form or a freebie that you have, um, or maybe link them out to a separate wish list if you are Mm -hmm. going to do that on mobile. But yeah, that is a huge beauty of show is that you can even um, hide buttons or certain sections on mobile or desktop and really decide what you want that user experience to be, which I love. One thing that I'm always making different on clients' websites is photography. Um, So sometimes there's just a photo that doesn't work really well for the mobile version and you can swap that out for a different photo really easily and you don't have to like Make it look like a stacked version of the desktop. So that really helps you create a little bit more of a luxe experience with a design. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense, especially because most people aren't going to be on their phone and then looking at your website and comparing, like, wait, that's not the same photo or that's not the same thing on there. No
1: one's. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. In fact, like, depending on the client, like, most people will probably only look on mobile or desktop, uh, mm-hmm. depending on like what kind of client they are, like are they planning their wedding maybe during their lunch break at work or are they planning it like from a car? They might not even have a desktop computer because there are people like that. Um, So another thing you can do to level up your website is take a look at your Google Analytics and see like where your visitors are coming from the most. And that's actually something that I think a lot of people forget about Um, Mm. is setting up Google Analytics. As soon as you publish your site, it's pretty easy. There's a ton of tutorials online and it's something that I do for all of my clients um, at the end of their website design process. Or even like if I have a client that's maybe on Squarespace right now and then when we start working together they want to switch to ShowIt, I'll install Google Analytics on their current site so that they can start getting traffic and then we'll just um, publish their new site and put Google Analytics on their ShowIt site. Because you don't get to look back at any old information with Google Analytics. Um, it only shows you your traffic from the day that you actually install it on your website. And it mm-hmm. gives you all of these really cool details. It would be such a fun workshop if we could show yeah. like, you know, on this podcast. But there's so many cool things that you can see um, that can help you figure out like, where your ROI is coming from, um, like areas where people are looking at your website, mobile versus desktop, really like such in-depth information
0: well and it helps you understand how long people are staying on your website how engaged they are how many website pages that they're going to within your site yeah so that's also really good to understand because if you're having um let's say for easy numbers you're having a thousand people a month look at your website they're spending 30 seconds on it and you only got 10 inquiries this month only 10% of the people showing up on your website that are actually reaching out, which means your call to action probably isn't strong enough
1: mm-hmm. or your
0: website is confusing and they're not staying long enough to figure that out. And so that's where small little tweaks you can make and say, okay, maybe your call to action on your homepage is at the very bottom. Maybe move that up to halfway up or all the way up and see what that does and then retest those analytics and see if that inquiry, um, and see if those inquiries jump up and then also figure out how long someone should be on your website. I think if I remember right, at one point someone said um, or an article said that an average website time frame of someone staying on your website is anywhere from like 45 seconds to a minute and a half. If that could have changed since, I think it's been a few years. (laughs) Do you know that stat maybe?
1: Yeah, I think that's a little long. I think that would be ideal like if someone – is staying on your website. I know, I think like I yeah, mean, this is a long time ago and technology. Yeah, no, but I did totally like, <laughs> I don't know the updated stat. It does sound kind of right because yeah. like one is taking the time to read your content and right. maybe it's 30 seconds
0: you know. to a minute now or
1: something. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Um, I know that some people definitely jump off within like seven seconds. Uh, like you yeah. can't find things easily. Right. But yeah, if, like,
0: if your average time on your website is seven seconds or ten seconds, you probably need to make some changes. And yeah. you see if that's mobile. Maybe mobile, they're on there for seven seconds and the desktop they're on there for thirty seconds. Yeah. And that's important to understand because maybe the mobile is more confusing than the desktop. And so you just need to make an adjustment on the mobile version. So it is right. I mean Google Analytics is probably way deeper than most of us will actually <laughs> look at certain stats on but it's super yeah. important and i was going to bring this up at the end of our episode but i'm glad you brought it up earlier because it that is such a good measure to understand your success of your website and the effectiveness that your website is giving to your clients
1: definitely yeah and either way whatever the stat is maybe we can look it up later a minute and a half is not that much time for yeah. all of the content that you have on your website so it is important that that first impression is really strong and yeah uh, to your point with the example of like a thousand visitors per month and then only getting 10 inquiries um, another thing that you could also take a look at maybe within that example is your seo so the search engine optimization mm-hmm. that we were talking about and is that actually aligning with your business and the quality of your services? Because that's something I've seen where maybe you're getting a ton of traffic for a keyword that's really popular, but people are getting to your website and finding that that keyword actually isn't true. Um, So maybe an example would be like if you're a wedding planner and you don't actually provide rentals, but maybe you have a page that you're either accidentally or purposefully trying to rank for rentals. And then people are getting there and they're like, okay, but there's no wish list here. There's like no call to action driving me to access rentals. Like I don't see any dance floors or decor or anything here. So then they're clicking off because they're getting frustrated because they're not finding that result. So that's mm-hmm. something that I see too. Um, and getting really clear on that. And that's also something that a lot of people don't know on their own website. Like they're not sure what they're ranking for. They don't even know if they have like SEO set up, um, which is totally normal. Like that was me when I first like had like my very first website. So it's something that you kind of learn with time or like outsource and get help with. And um, when you understand like where people are coming from and like how that connects back to your brand strategy. So if you go watch uh, or listen to the first episode that we recorded, um, then that really helps you to understand, okay, like the SEO is kind of like the front door of your office and then they're coming in and they're getting this whole branded experience from you and basically like having a conversation with you through your website. And then the sale, like the closing is basically like your call to actions or your contact form of how you're gonna kind of getting them into that next process of hopefully working with you.
0: Yeah, and that's so important because SEO does make you an effective website and an effective brand to work with. And there's yeah. a lot of things that you can do SEO-wise. You don't necessarily have to do all the little SEO trinkets and things on your website. There is, It's certainly good to do that. Um, but you and I were talking also before we started recording about some of the things that search your website – Um, need to be in a certain format or a certain place in order to be searchable. Um, We were talking a little bit about different text boxes, um, being searchable versus non-searchable and such. Um, That's all really important.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's, um, I'm by no means like a super in-depth SEO expert. I do have some really great SEO people that I refer to if you are looking for like ongoing support, um, like all the time. But Mm -hmm. one thing that I do a little bit differently than other website designers is I set up what I call basic on-page SEO for all of my website clients. Um, So if you book my lowest package or a custom package, we're doing at least some basic keyword research and setting you up with a foundation for SEO. And then For a little bit of a higher package, I'll also provide you with resources and a strategy for how you can continue to like build that over time. Um, So the foundation that I set up for everyone includes those kinds of things of like how to set up your design and your copywriting for Google to read it, um, or for other like Bing or Safari, other search engines to (laughs) review. But Google is really the primary. You can get more details on Google Analytics for that to really understand where people are searching you, but. Um, part of that is text tags. So tagging text boxes on the back end of your website as um, what's called H1, H2, H3, H4. Those are all like headline types and you can um, style them different ways in your website platform. And that's one thing I love about Show It is that you can tag anything as a headline, um, any text box. So you don't have to necessarily go with what's already set. Like um, one thing with Squarespace if you're trying to use Squarespace without using any code, you basically preset the H1 headlines, which is like the biggest headline on your website. And you kind of have to stick with a similar text size and color and things like that. You can update some things, but it's a little bit more limited than show it. So you have more flexibility with show it for that. And um, what Cam and I were talking about is like on those H1 or 2 headers, like making sure that If there's a sentence or like a keyword that you want google to read it should all be in one text box um so let's say you're like an event rentals company in um, athens or something then you want to have all of that in one text box because otherwise google won't be able to read it um so that's something that we set up and then alt text on images um which you might have heard of before but mm-hmm. basically every image on your website should have um what's called alt text so that Google can read the image because Google can't see images and it's um kind of dual effective because you want Google to be able to find the images and hopefully rank you for that so again if you're like an event rentals company in Athens you could um theoretically put that into your alt text for some images you don't want to do it for like every single image but Um, you might have like a tablescape design or something. So you could put in that alt text, like tablescape design done by um, Allure Events, an event rentals company in Athens. Um, So, and then maybe get a little bit more detailed about what that looks like. Um, You want to describe the image as if you're explaining it to someone who can't actually see it. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's effective for getting you found on Google. If you were to go into like Google Images and look up that keyword your chances of getting found for that are a lot higher than if you didn't have that set up. And then also for um, accessibility on your website so that screen readers can like read the website and um, people who have visual impairments can understand what's in that image. That really helps. Um, And then the more accessible you are in your website, the more Google likes to try to rank it because they know that it's for more people and um, it's kind of a full circle. Basically, if you're building a website that is meant to be good for humans to look at, then Google's going to like it. And there's a couple technical things to do to make sure that, um, but that's like a couple things that we set up for basic on page SEO. And then there's also um, page titles and meta descriptions, which are like the listings that you see on Google. If you like Google a term and then it's that text that comes up before you click into a website, there's um, all these little things that you don't really think about, and a lot of website designers actually aren't doing them for their clients, so it's important that you understand like what's being done, and if it's not included in the package, that's totally okay because it's not always a website design like service that's required, but it is something that you should either be hiring someone else to do or figure out how to do it yourself so that you're set up for success there.
0: Yeah, really any of mm-hmm. SEO is really good to do. And the more places that you implement SEO, the better Google is going to be able to read your your page and your copy. Um, yes. There are so many different things that you can do. And there's a lot of places that also can scam you out of that stuff too. We've been scammed mm-hmm. before when it comes to SEO of them explaining well, it's this really complicated thing and you need our services so that we can do it for you. And then they charge thousand dollars a month to do seo and i was like i don't know that seems like a lot <laughs> so yeah uh, there, you do have to be careful if you're going to hire someone to do it there is a lot of information out there on the internet and on youtube about seo so it is important to understand what's right um, about seo and what works and sometimes that changes sometimes your market wherever you are um sometimes that changes and so um things that used to rent uh you know even eight years ago, six years ago, don't rent anymore. And so seven Mm -hmm. or eight years ago, I could have SEO tags that uh, ranked really high for vintage event rentals. Well, now in DFW, vintage is not it at all. And so if I'm continuing to have vintage rentals as one of my tags, I'm going to be searched for that. And then I don't have any vintage pieces in my inventory anymore because it just doesn't rent. Mm And yeah. so those are really important. If, you wanna, if you're want, if you going to niche down into what type, types of rentals you have and you no longer offer those things, you do need to go back and you have to take those out or replace it with something that you do have. And so vintage event rentals versus modern event rentals are two completely separate clientele and two completely separate um, tags on your website. And so you do need to make sure that you're staying up to date with this because the longer you're in business, the more trends are going to change. And we've seen that very well in the events industry over the last 10 years. Um, So it is important to stay up to date on what is being tagged and where it's tagged on your website. Um, And then blogging also goes really heavy into SEO. It's really important to have a blog, I think, on a Mm -hmm. website. There's some experts that say blogging is dead. We shouldn't do blogging anymore. And I was like, it is not dead. It is very much alive.
1: No. Um, People
0: might not be sitting down and going to read your blog post like they did 10 years ago, but um, blogging is very important still.
1: Definitely. And there's so much room to repurpose a blog, too. I know Mm -hmm. that. There are stats coming out that a lot of like Gen Zers are using like TikTok and Instagram a little bit more to search versus Google, Um, but those same kind of principles of like SEO keywords still apply, like if they're using TikTok to search a similar term. You still want to think strategically about how you're coming up for that, like, um, like for vintage rentals, if it is still in style in your area, like, how can you optimize your TikTok and Instagram posts and stuff to go with that, and then also maybe lead them to a blog post where they can get more information. Um, and event rentals companies, I would say have such a leg up for SEO compared to other types of vendors, because you have all of these rentals that you can try to rank for, and you could theoretically have like a different page for each one. And that's like a whole new keyword that you can get found for each time for every type of rental that you have. And you can research, um, there's a site called Uber suggests where you can do some free keyword research. And I think it's up to three free keywords per day. So you can type into this little search bar, whatever kind of rental you have, and see if there's like a certain way to word it to get it mm-hmm. to rank higher and then optimize the page for that. Um, so that's something that's really cool for rentals companies where like photographers and wedding planners have to spend like a little bit more time to think about that. Um, and definitely venues, like it's just a lot more difficult, I think, to find like separate individual keywords for each page um, yeah, the SEO packages that you were talking about is a big one of there's so much confusion in the industry. And even I, like when I first got into understanding SEO more, felt like I was getting all this information from people, like even some business friends who were like, like one myth that I believed for a little bit before I had like the right people educate me was that you have to be on WordPress to be successful with your SEO. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of factors for why people believe that. Um, one is because it's, a lot easier to write an SEO optimized blog post um, in WordPress, which is something that you can do and show it's WordPress blog. So that's great. Um, show it competes pretty well for that aspect. But then also, like WordPress sites have just been around for like decades, mm-hmm. so some people who are ranking on the first page of Google might just have an older website where they've had more time to write blogs and update their pages, and more people have visited their website over time. So that website could be ranking higher than like a newer Squarespace or Wix or show it site. Um, so that's like a myth that I kind of had to untrain myself from believing that's kind of stressed by some of those SEO scammers, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, if you are looking into SEO services and you get a quote for like a thousand dollars a month or something, I think that's what's really important is to see like what kind of marketing they're doing as part of that. Like, um, I would say the scammers tend to sell like, oh, you pay us a thousand dollars a month and we'll get you ranked for this keyword. Well, they right. can't ever guarantee that they'll rank you for that keyword. And mm-hmm. in SEO lingo, there's what's called like um, black hat and white hat tactics. And black hat tactics are kind of like um, little, like kind of like dirty tactics that people are using to try to get you ranked higher. I had a client um, outside of the wedding industry this year who had worked with probably an SEO scammer in the past. And um, one black hat tactic they had used was to like hide a bunch of text on their page. So they like basically just like searched a bunch of keywords that this business could rank for. And then they made them like invisible on the WordPress page. Um, So I was kind of exploring the back end of their site and noticed this and then like deleted them right away because that's not the way that we want to optimize a page. But I will say like if you are paying $1,000 a month for someone who's going to like do that research for you, maybe take away certain keywords like vintage rentals, make sure your pages are optimized, help you write a certain amount of blog posts each Mm -hmm. month, um, do new keyword research for you and suggest new pages. And that's probably worth the money. Mm -hmm. Um, But it just goes back to education and making sure you understand what you're getting, especially with these services like web design and SEO, because there's so much different pricing and it's totally valid to be paying $500 for some services or $15,000 for some services. Like there's not necessarily a wrong price, but it's looking at what's included in that scope.
0: <laughs> right. And their expertise in that as well cuz that is like yeah. what you're for.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like what the results are promised. I think I don't tend to promise like concrete like i will get you on the first page of google or i will get you like ten thousand views per month because mm-hmm. similar to instagram there's just so much outside of our control for that and similar to wedding planning like you can't guarantee that all of the guests will be happy or that it won't rain like there's circumstances outside of our control um but as long as we're educating our clients throughout the process and helping them understand like okay i've done this for you um we've gotten this far. And then there's certain things like in my example, blogging and things like that, that will continue to set you up for success. Um, I think that's the biggest key, but yeah, understanding experience and uh, the results and making sure that people aren't like over promising or promising things that just can't be promised.
0: Right. So important. So what I'm understanding, just so our students can follow exactly what goes into creating an effective website that drives success is having a clear call to action, having a clear way to contact you, and then having SEO tactics that can serve you so that people actually find your website in order to then contact you. Are there yeah. Any other insights that you have that you want to share before we wrap up this episode?
1: Yeah. So I feel like those are really strong things to get you started and actionable steps that you can take um, to optimize your website in the big picture. I think we talked about this in our last recording, but I have like five pillars I like to recommend for your website to think about everything in the big picture. Um, So starting with your brand strategy, going through, like go and listen to that episode and think about um, how you can get really clear on who you're communicating with. And then your branding design that makes a huge impact on your website and something that we didn't talk about today a ton but the psychology of colors and typography and everything and then copywriting the messaging we talked about that a lot in the last episode Um, and then content and design Um, so outside of the branding design like what does the content on your website look like in the flow that addresses a lot of like the call to actions and things like that on your website Um, and then also like thinking about content in the context of the quality of the images and the blogs that you're featuring and how you're optimizing those and speaking to people that align with your ideal client. And then the last one is SEO. So a lot of these tactics that we talked about to kind of deal with the technical side of your website, but um, the five pillars to recap are um, strategy, branding, copywriting, content, and SEO, and taking a look at each of those aspects of your website and making sure it's all creating a cohesive, strategic experience for your visitors.
0: Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, this has been such a great episode. I'm so glad that we got to talk more about how you create effective websites, not just beautiful websites, because there is a difference. Um, and just for our listeners, reminder that we are in the middle of a series with the sweet Emily. We have one more episode coming up, and we're excited to talk more um, in future episodes. So if you haven't listened to the first one, go back and listen to that one, listen to this one, and then listen to our third. So thanks for joining today and we will see you next time.